bar. I have enjoyed myself very much and uh, enjoyed re renewing friendships and uh, eating too much. I'll tell you what, I, I, uh, I took 15 pounds off before I came here and I honestly think I've put most of them right back on again. And it's a lot harder to take them off, uh, or I should say yes, take them off than to put them on. But we've enjoyed the fellowship with everybody, and uh, I've been praying before we come, and I pray that God will use the, uh, the message uh, tonight. Tonight I'm going to preach on giving. I love to preach on giving. Um, let me just say, say something. The church I pastored for 43 years back in Indiana was a very poor church. Uh, the people were poor, just scraping by, and... Uh, I say I like to preach on giving. A lot of pastors don't like to. I like to. I believe in it. I really believe you reap what you sow. And so I, I, I would say five, six, seven times a year I'd preach on giving, preach pretty hard. And the, the, the church went from a poor church, not to, there are a couple millionaires, but uh, more than that, the, the normal person, uh, the normal income was about $150,000 a year. And so the giving went way up, and I would say by the time I left, it was a rich church. <laughs> and so what I'm saying is I'm not saying you should give to get rich, but I'm saying I've seen it happen over the long haul. I've seen people lose their jobs. I've seen all kinds of things happening. But in the long run, I have seen that what you reap what you sow, and uh, in life, but also in giving. So I wanted, uh, since this is a mission conference, I know missions has to do with money, and I wanted to preach on, on giving. So if you will turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that's going to be our text passage, and I'm going to preach on, as I say, one of the uh, most important subjects in all the world, in all the Bible, and that's money. Now, I find... I say I preached on it six, seven times a year when I was pastor. I, I find some people love it and some people hate it. Now, who do you think loves it and who do you think hates it? The people that give love it and they love it because they say, yeah, that's right. That's how it's worked in my life. That's, that's what's happened in my life. And the people that hate it go, Ugh, all I want is money. In fact, more than once people quit the church because I preached on giving. Uh, you've heard it. I'm sure your pastors heard it. What does he want to preach on money for? Well, how do you think you light the lights, you know? How do you, how do you, how do you think missionaries go overseas? How do you think you run the buses? It all takes money. And, and the Bible talks about it a, a, a lot. So, somebody said that giving was a thermometer of the soul. I'm going to say that again. Giving was a thermometer of the soul. You want to check yourself out, see uh, how hot or cold you are for God, Check your giving record compared to your income. Not compared to other people, but compared to your income. You cannot be a good Christian and wrong with your money. I, I stress that. I believe as much as I'm breathing. So we're going to check our hearts by looking at our giving. Again, our text is 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 9. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the of the uh, grace of God bestowed upon the church of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, 
The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear a record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as he abound in everything, in faith and utterance, in knowledge and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. That's the thrust of the message tonight. You want to see how much you love God? Check your giving record. Now, I mean that. I, again, I've been, in the, I've, been, I've been saved over 70 years. I know I don't look that old, but I, I've been saved over 70 years, been in the ministry over 50 years, and I believe it now. I just believe it as much as I, as I breathe. You want to check? You want to see how spiritual you are? Check your giving record. And to prove the sincerity of your love. And ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that ye, through his poverty, might be rich. How do you prove your love? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you again for the opportunity to preach at this good church. We've enjoyed it so much and uh, just enjoyed, uh, again, renewing acquaintances and friendships and uh, we know this is a good church. We know the good the people that are here are the better people of the church because they're here on a <coughs> Tuesday night. But Lord, I pray that you'll speak to hearts. I want to be a blessing. I want to be an encouragement. And I, and I pray that uh, you'll use this message for your honor and glory. In your name we pray. Amen. When you read the Bible, read Paul's writings, you know he was a disturbed man. I'm not talking about mentally disturbed but emotionally or spiritually. Uh, you look at the Bible and you see that he was a man that was acquainted uh, with grief. Almost anywhere you see him writing in Acts and in his epistles, he's a heavily burdened man. He was a man of deep emotion. He was disturbed by the, the cities of his day. You, you read when he'd come to Corinth or Athens, Greece or Ephesus, He'd have to find a place to, to, to pray. And uh, what, if he, what if he'd come back today? What if we could bring him to New York City? Uh, that's your city. What if we could bring him to Chicago? That's the city I grew up in. Uh, or San Francisco or Hollywood or something like that. You think about how that would affect him. Think of the, the prostitution. You know, I can't describe the sin of today in mixed company. Uh, it's not prostitution like it once was. It's little children, little boys, little girls being used by wicked men and women. I, I, it's hard to even think about it. Homosexuality, I can't keep up with all the LGBTQ, RSTUV, 
all of the different, they have so many sexes I can't comprehend it. But they're weird, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but they're, they're, they're weird. The, the drunkenness, the, the, the drugs, the gambling, the, the murder, little kids again. Bang, bang. Uh, our church was near Gary, Indiana, near Chicago. And uh, it's just, a, just little kids banging. I don't mean just, just being shot, but shooting. And, and that, that's exactly what's happening in, in, in America today. And uh, even in small areas, I don't know your area, but I would think it would be like ours, full of drugs, uh, f- full, full again of uh, demon worship. Uh, I, I don't know, but I know in Chesterton, Indiana, and that area was full of demon worship and robbery and destruction. Now, again, we got to ask ourselves, are we burdened or we just get mad? I tend to get mad, but we ought to be burdened. Paul had a broken heart about earthly-minded Christians. You study his writings, and he was disturbed about Christians just divorcing themselves from the needs of the world and worried about goods and things and living for money. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just a couple pages back, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, it says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I want to, before I really get going, I want to say there's nothing wrong with having things. There's nothing wrong. I have a nice house. And my wife knows God gave us that nice house. And, and, uh, and, and uh, it's nothing wrong with having a nice car or things like this. But what's wrong is if we seek them, if we run after them, if we go after them. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things. He will take care of us. Don't worry about it. Make your decisions about jobs on the Bible. Make your decisions about where to go to church. I've always said this, and we're talking about it again today. If the church I go to now would go bad, I'd cross country to find a good church. You, you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added onto you. And Paul had a philosophy built on rewards in, in heaven. And, and again, what you want to ask yourself is, what do you think about? What do you dwell on? The things, the goods, the, what you can gain, you know, working overtime. I see people uh, losing their kids because they work so much overtime. Uh, just wanting to gather more. Uh, tur- turn to 2 Timothy. I'm going to flip you around the Bible quite a bit. But 2 Timothy chapter 4. Do, do you love the things you can see and touch more than the unseen? How, how much do you dwell on heaven? Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. That's what we should be thinking about. That's what our goals should be. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Again, I'm old. <laughs> and I'll just say, I've always tried to have this, uh, this opinion. 
But the older you get, the less things of this world mean to you. They just, uh, just dwindle away and go into the fog. What's important is what we're doing for Jesus Christ. What we're, what we're doing to, to not gain heaven, but, but to, for rewards in heaven. Do you really think you'll love the streets of gold? I ask yourself this. Do you, love, do you think you'll love the streets of gold better than the streets out here? Turn, turn to Acts 20. And I'll, I'll stop flipping you around as much, but turn to Acts 20. Paul's whole philosophy of life was laying up treasures in heaven. And it disturbed him when Christians were earthly-minded. It disturbed him when Christians were interested in the things of the world more than the lost around them. And he said in Acts chapter 20, verse 31, Wherefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. He was concerned and disturbed about inconsistent Christians. He said in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Let a man so account of us that as the ministers of Christ and stewards of mysteries of God, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But what I want to focus in on is uh, Paul's despair about stingy, tightwad, tithe-stealing Christians. Christians that had lip service, but not uh, life grace. Christians that had an open mouth, but a closed wallet. Again, back to our text in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Wherefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence, in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. And what grace was he talking about? Giving grace, offering plate grace. God loveth a cheerful giver. Give and it'll be given unto you. That's the grace that he was talking about. And if I've learned anything, I've learned what the Apostle Paul knew, that God never has a man's heart. I guarantee you, never has a man's heart until he has his bank account, his checkbook, his, his wallet, whatever you want to say. Now, I didn't say tithe, did I? I say he doesn't ever have, and young people, you learn it. He'll never have a person's heart until he has your money and everything involved with it. Paul had learned that, that where a man's treasure is, there his heart is also. It's sinful. I, I, I hesitated saying this, but I'm going to say it. It's sinful the way people blow their money. It, it's just unbelievable. I, 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 I don't want you to get this wrong, but as I grew up, I didn't think we were poor, but we never went to a restaurant ever as I was growing up, okay? Now people live in restaurants. 
Uh, I'm not saying it's wrong. We ate in a restaurant today and it was good, okay? I'm not saying it's wrong to go to the restaurant. But I'm saying we just blow our money. When I grew up again, we had three boys. I was the shrimp. I had a couple big brothers. And uh, when we had meat, it would be like a pot roast the size of what people get as a steak in restaurants today. We, we ate a lot of potatoes. We ate a lot of bread and things like that. Today, people go to coffee shops regularly, once or twice a day, and spend three, four, five dollars. Now, what am I trying to say? I'm not saying you shouldn't go to a coffee shop. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to the restaurant. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a steak. But what I'm saying is we waste our money. We blow our money. And we think we're really sacrificing for God, when in reality, we have it so good. Brother Fagali could tell you this, and, I, and I've been in so many different foreign countries. We have it so good, and we just blow our money. And what I'm saying is, go to the restaurant, get your cup of coffee, but think about the things of God first. Take care of God's uh, work first. Um, uh, uh, again, I think it's, uh, it, it's really a shame when people put their checking accounts and everything else before God. The Bible says, will a man rob God? I'd like to think, and I'm preaching like I preach to my own church. I don't have a church now. But, uh, but at the same time, I'd like to have thought that the people in my church would rob the IRS before they'd rob God. That they'd stick up a bank before they'd stick up God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Will a man rob God? Yeah. Some of the biggest thieves sit in Bible-believing churches. Now, I have no idea what your offerings are like. I don't have any idea what you give, of course. But some of the greatest robberies are in churches like this on Sunday. Turn to Romans 8.32. I know you know this passage. But God cannot bless anything adverse to his nature. And he not only has a holy nature but a generous one. God loves to give. We all love John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Again, the key to that verse is giving. In Romans 8, verse 32, we know this verse. He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God gave and he just kept on giving. Kept on giving and he keeps on giving to us. Our God's nature is one of love and giving. And I don't believe he can bless us if we don't have that same nature. That's why the apostle preached and wrote so much on stinginess and being a tightwad and holding out. Again, I say some pastors don't like to preach on giving. I like to preach on giving because I know it works. I, 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 I know we shouldn't give to get, don't get me wrong. But you can't outgive God. You can't. He knew that God spared not his own son. And if we're right with him, we're going to be the same way. You can be faithful to church. But if you're not absolutely right in your money, you're not right with God. It's impossible. I heard a, a true story. A, a pastor told me about this. There was a, 
uh, a guy by the name of uh, R.E. Neighbors. He was a pastor, and he was baptizing. He had a uh, railroad engineer in the tank, and he was going to baptize him. And all of a sudden, he said, wait, wait. And he jumped out of the tank, ran, ran to the changing room, got his wallet, came back, jumped in the tank, and said, I wasn't ready. I want to be right with my money also. I want my, my Now, I'm not saying we should baptize our wallet, but I like his idea. I, I've got to be right here. Um, now, again, as I preach tonight, I'm not going to stop with bring all your ties in the storehouse. First point is all we see a true vivid picture of giving here in verse 1. We do you to wit, it says, in, in, in our text passage. Um, that's an old Anglo-Saxon term that means I, I want you to look, I want, to, want you to study the, the churches of Macedonia. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, of the grace of grace of God bestowed upon the churches of uh, Macedonia. What he's saying is, I, I want you to look at this. I, I want to hold some churches up as an example: the Church of Berea, the the uh, Church of Thessalonica, the Church of Philippi. Paul was saying that they are a picture of giving churches, and I want them to be an example. Now you ought to ask yourself: Could you hold up Freedom Baptist? and say, is this a picture? Is this what we should be like? Some seem to be able to take care of everything but the needs of God. Some say, well, we're doing really great. Could you do more? Okay. These missionaries, I don't know all your missionaries. I know some of your missionaries. But they're out working for God. And we say, well, look at the, look at the uh, inflation. Look at what gas has done. Try to go to a foreign field and buy some gas. <laughs> it's double or triple what it is here. Look at what the food is like. Again, the same way. I, I used to, you know, you know, my daughter and Pastor Whitaker were in Belize for some years. And in Chicago, at the Chicago stations there, they'd all say, come to Belize, the land is cheap, the food is cheap, and all this is cheap. And I went there Oh, man, a gallon of ice cream or whatever, a little carton of ice cream was $10. It wasn't cheap, and an acre of land was a million dollars, a million dollars. And I guess the point I'm making is in most of these countries, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. We have inflation there. They have in, here, they have inflation there. The Church of Macedonia were in much worse shape than we have ever been. And they gave and they gave. You think about it. As long as the Church of Macedonia are in the Bible, we have no excuse. Look at something else. Again, in, in 2 Corinthians 8, our, our text, chapter 1. Moreover, brethren, we, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. Paul calls it a grace. A grace. The idea here is that God gave them the grace of giving, gave them the burden to give. God's the one that creates the atmosphere and the climate to give. Now, I believe that. He gives it in grace. Now, you, you might ask, 
if giving is a grace, how do I get the gift of giving? You say, am I going to pray for the gift of giving? Yes, do. It's a lot of fun. How do, how do, I, how do, I, how do I get this? Meditation. Meditation. I always taught our people, don't ever ask me what you should give. I don't care what you give. And I, I, I just, it's God. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. I always said, don't, don't, I, I don't, you know, when people have come in to counsel me when I was a pastor, most of the time I'd say, you're giving too much, you better cut it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it. It's not up to a pastor to tell you what to give. It's up to God, and you learn it from meditation. In, in Psalm 143.5, it says, I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. Now, I think you should pray about what to give. We, we, had, what, we had a stewardship banquet. Our, our missions was right into our budget. And uh, we, we would do this every year, and... I would always tell the people, just pray. Will you please pray? Just take time and pray. God, what do you want me to give? But also, I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. Think about what he's done for you. Take time. If you can ever get your heart in the right condition and think about all that he's done for you, you'll be a giver. You'll be a giver. Think about hell. Think about the fact, we can't comprehend it, but you don't have to go, your kids don't have to go. Think about the drunks, the drug addicts. Think about the world we live in today. You don't have to have that. And your kids don't have to have that. Why don't you give because of grace? Somebody said earlier in the week, a tenth is God's. The Bible clearly says the tithe is the Lord's. So you're not even given when you, I I hate to say it, but the tithe is the Lord's. Now, I've, I've, I've practiced this. I'm not just talking. I've practiced it all my life. The tithe is the Lord's. So then you ask, how much am I going to give? Well, when you're just a young couple starting out, I don't know what we, I think we gave 15% or something like that. But you should always be saying, how much more, God? How much more? I can't speak for anybody else. I can't see how, say how God deals with your heart. I know how he's dealt with my heart. I know how he's dealt with my church. And I watched how it worked. And, 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 and it would just be exciting how it worked. Well, God's taken care of me at 15%. And what about 18%, you know? Ah, oh, oh, I can't do that. That's where I got all these bills. God, what do you want me to give? To me, that's how you do it. What do you want me to give? Man, I'm at 20%. What do you want me to give? Okay. And, and I'm not trying to twist anybody's arm. I'm not trying to put anybody in a guilt uh, feeling or anything like that. Nothing like that. Again, I say it's between you and God. But it's unbelievable how in young people, you get a hold of it when you're young. And I'm not saying, you know, you may not even have a job. But the point is, you get a hold of it when you're young and you start giving. And, and it's unbelievable what God will do. 
And as I said before, our church started out as a poor church. I mean, people not working and all this type of thing, and it's unbelievable. Well, we changed the job here or get promoted here. and Up, up, up. It blew my mind the money that these people made. And I believe it was because they were good givers. The church, if you've ever been there, just exploded. It's just millions, millions of dollars of property and so forth. Uh, that's what God will do if we have the right heart. And the reason I believe you give is, yes, you love God. It is his service. But you praise God for your marriage. You praise God for your children. You praise God for your food, your house. We were talking about different countries. You know, you, you see sometimes people, you know, the little kids with the swelling bellies, and that's true. But, you know, I just described, do you know in most countries, it's all a one-room house? Mm -hmm. uh, you go, somebody mentioned Mongolia. It's a round house, and it's a round tent type of a thing. And you say, oh, that's a gear. Whoa, that's nice. It's one room for an extended family, not just a family. I've eaten in those houses, and it's an extended family. One room. And let me say something, there's never a closet. You ever go in these old houses, even around here, they don't have closets. Why? Because they didn't have what we have, okay? You go to Cambodia, it's not a tent type thing, it's just a shack type thing. One room, they roll their beds out at night, they move things around to, to, to cook. In, you go to Africa, it's a thatched roof, one room. I'm telling you, you can't believe how good we have it and how good God is to us. And we ought to understand that. We ought to understand that God has poured his blessing on America because I don't care what anybody says, America was founded on biblical beliefs and he's poured his blessing and it may end, but let's give while we can give. When you see the grace of God, you don't want to just count your pennies. You, 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 you want to make a praise offering. You want to, you want to make a thanksgiving offering. Uh, you want to open your heart. You want to open your billfold. And you want to go to the bank. You want to, you want to give. Most of us still are in the legal stages of giving. We just give what we think we have to give. But I'll tell you what, we should learn to give from the heart. Give from love. We give 10% or 12.5%. I count the money at our church and I have to chuckle sometime uh, how, how people give. We're a young church and they're just learning. But uh, so many people don't want to give more. But I'll tell you what, a church is in the best shape when they are sacrificially giving. That's where joy comes from. That's where Happiness comes from. That's where God blesses. Is giving exciting to you? Is it still exciting to you? Then give. You might say, well, what you're saying is I, I, you're just, I won't be able to make it. Give, make you a, give you a secret. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. And so if God says raise the giving, I, I have no income. I mean, I have Social Security, I think it's $17,000 a year. What is it? 
you know, seventeen thousand. That's that's my income, and and uh, I hadn't planned to ever not have a job. I thought I'd be working at the church where I I knew I'd step down, but I thought I'd be working at the church until I died. I didn't plan, but let me tell you something. I live good. Okay, I'm not trying to get. You. I live good. You say, how do you live good? I believe I live good because I've practiced what I'm preaching all my life. And God takes care of you. So you say, what are we coming into in America? I don't know. But I'll tell you, I'd like to take care of God while I could take care of God. And he'll take care of you when you can't take care of you. Second point, we saw the picture of giving. I want to look at the price of Christian giving. Again, in our text, chapter, verse 2, how that in a great trial of affliction, now get this, a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded onto the riches of their liberality. You know, somebody unsaved would read that and say, what are you talking about? In a great trial of affliction and the abundance of their joy. Uh, there are two things the churches in 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 this text we're facing and that is persecution and hunger and when they should have been thinking about their own needs they were thinking about others and that's what missions is thinking about others now some people are in the tip method uh, they they can't make it I talk to people and again I, I get talking about money there's a guy in our church who's one of the first people to come to church and he, 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 he just, huh? he says, I'm going to give, then he can't give. And uh, you, you go to him, and, and his sewer went out, so there's thousands of dollars. And, well, he can't give, and he still can't give. And then his, what was it, his wife lost a job, and, and uh, so then he couldn't give. And then his uh, wife had to have an operation, and he still couldn't give. Hey, buddy, you ever wonder what's happening? <laughs> you don't give, and it's going to keep on going. And this, this guy, without a doubt, makes really good money, but he can't give. Yes, he can. You put things first. You take care of God, and God will take care of you. But some are in a tip method. They'll come to a missions conference and hear something and throw a little money in the offering. When these churches were giving in grace while they were in poverty and persecution, they were dying like flies, okay, if you read the Bible. They were in bad shape and they were giving. And I want to remind you, you have a house you're going to go back to. You, you, and you're not going to be bombed like over in the Middle East. You, you have a car. You know, most countries, they don't have a car. Okay, you might have two cars. You have a car. You have a house. You have clothes. Again, I take, take the closets. Again, you get in these old houses, I guarantee you, unless they were put in later, there's no closets. These people that live in these one-room houses, and that's the majority of the, of the, of the world, you know, how, many, you know how, many, how much clothes they have? Maybe a change, and maybe not. Again, I go back to the closet, okay, or closets. Now we have walk-in closets. You, you, you wonder how you're doing? Look at your clothes and ask yourself if you wore that for a year. We have it so good. 
such good food that we have to diet. Most of us have good health. You'll never have an excuse for giving as long as 2 Corinthians 8 is in the Bible. You may sleep good in your dullness, but they gave not only to take care of the church, but others. Last, Paul teaches us the purpose of Christian living. The purpose for Christian giving. Why do we give? Why does your pastor ask you to preach, uh, uh, to give? Why do I preach a sermon like this? Here's a couple. Let's say they're just newly married. They make $700 a week and they give $100 a week to God. Why? Is it because they're obeying Malachi chapter 3? Bring ye all the tithes in the, uh, in the storehouse? Yes. I believe that, yes. But it's deeper. Is it the Great Commission? Again, we go and say, how do buses run? How does the pastor paid? How do we send missionaries out? People are so goofy. I've had so many times through the years, why do you preach on giving? How do you think we built the building, you see? How, how do you think you do the work of God? Yes, it's the Great Commission. Is it that we're investing in God, given it'll be given out to you? Again, I use my own example. My wife knows uh, since we've been without a job, there has been times when I would go, ah, you know, what's going to happen? God's going to take care of you. I'd say I'm made of flesh, and there was that time, ah, you know, what's going to happen? We're going to starve or something. No, no. You come out and visit us. You can stay at our house. It's a beautiful home. God takes good care of you, whether you have income or no income. That's the truth. Is it that we want to make sure the, ha the pastor's happy with us? I'm afraid some are that way. But look at verse 8. That's the key. And to prove the sincerity of your love. That's why we give. That's the bottom line. We love God. We love Jesus. To prove how much you love Jesus Christ by your giving. You'll prove to the world how much you love him in direct proportion of your giving. You can fight it all you want, but I guarantee you, you don't love him the way you ought to if you don't give exactly what he wants you to give. You don't love him if you don't give cheerfully all that he wants. Here's your visual aid. If you're wrong here, you're wrong with God. To prove the sincerity of your love. Verse 9 says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. You get that? I'll read it again. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he left the throne room of heaven, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be 
rich. Jesus proved his love by giving, and so will we. So will we. More than once, I'm sure this has happened to Pastor Dunbar, I've been in the hospital with some old lady in bad shape, and she'll say, hand my purse. I always feel funny handing purses to ladies, but hand my purse. And they pull out their tithe envelope and say, preacher, I want to make sure God gets this offering this week. And uh, I've taken it. I remember one time the lady died before I could put it in the offering on Sunday. I think she was glad she gave it. Let me ask, can you say I'm giving what he wants? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Are you giving what he wants? That's just, I'd just like to ask you to pray about that during the invitation. And, and that's the only thing I'm asking, the only decision I'm asking for at this invitation, that you will pray. You're going to put this slip of paper, whatever it is, in Sunday morning, that you will pray. You say, I'm already planning. Will you sincerely pray about what God wants you to give? Let's stand and uh, pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray you'll take this simple message and use it for your honor and glory. Deal with hearts. Lord, we don't want anybody. I'm sure Pastor Dunbar is the same way I am. I don't want anybody to give more than you want and get themselves in trouble. But Lord, that they wouldn't give a penny less either. Lord, I just pray that uh, this... Uh, special offering time this Sunday, promise time, will be exciting. Amen. In your name we pray. Amen. If God's dealt with your heart, come.